This insert is brought to you by Radio K Pulpit 7 to 9 a.m. Please visit kpulpit.co.za. week on Voice of Change, we are talking the Russia-Ukraine crisis. And what we see happening and developing, we know is quite intense. And yes, if you follow the news or the media, you probably well know exactly what's happening. And you know what? Today on the show, I want us to go into a different side of what we are seeing happening. Yes, the media is telling us a lot of things. Yes, we see world leaders doing their thing. But you know what? We also need to be thinking about what is the church in Ukraine? feeling how are the Christians in Russia feeling and what is happening when it comes to mission work in Ukraine now today on the show I am joined by an incredible woman Michelle Atwell and she is the CEO of send United States now to be honest with you we often think about you know when we talk about war and we talk about crisis we think of all these kind of of course it's very negative but today on the show I really want us to go into kind of a different way of thinking of things and also in a way we need to be challenged we need to be challenged about what we are thinking about how we are thinking about what we see happening in this media with this crisis that we see but also how we can be praying now michelle like i said is the ceo of send united states and send international is a global community of goers and senders who bring gospel transformation to unreached people. And Michelle has gone several times over to Ukraine, leading teams and even serving in Chernobyl, which I want to get into a bit on the show today. She's also, you know, traveled to Russia and been there touching the church. And she has such a deep heart for missions. And of course, that's why she's the CEO of Send United States. She has over two decades of, you know, experience and just a powerful, powerful heart for the work of God, the transformation that the gospel brings. And you know what, just for missions. And today, that's where I want to go. I want to go to this hope. I want to go to what is the church in Ukraine doing right now? What should we be thinking? How should we be feeling? And you know, how should we be considering this crisis? And that's what we're going to touch on. So you're with me, Lauren Jacobs. It's Kate Pulpit. And we are going to have a great time on the show with Michelle today. So stay tuned. Stay there. And Michelle is with me after this. Michelle, it's so good to have you with me today. I'm really looking forward to kind of hearing your perspective and hearing everything you have to share with us today before we get into that. Welcome to the show. I hope that you're having a fabulous day today. Oh, thank you, Lauren. It's great to be on your show. I'm so honored and humbled. And uh, yeah, of course, the topic very timely uh, Mm. talking about Ukraine today. Mm, so timely and also one that sounds quite close to your heart when I was you know doing a lot of research on on all of your mission experience Russia came up Ukraine came up so Mm -hmm. totally are just so well positioned to be sharing with us today now you are the CEO of Send United States, which I've introduced you to the listeners right at the beginning. And you have this incredible experience with missions and leading groups and going on trips. You've been to both Ukraine and Russia. So we're going to pause and say, 
tell us about, I'm going to ask you both separately, tell us about, you know, when you went to Ukraine and leading teams to Ukraine, what was your experience like there? You know, I think that it's a country that, to be honest, not a lot of South Africans would probably maybe travel to. I don't know how it is in the States, but it's not a country that's kind of on our map. So to say it's on the map, but it's not on our radar, you know, Mm -hmm. so tell us a bit about Ukraine and those trips that you led there and, you know, what the church is like there, what's the environment like, what, how does it feel there? Uh, well, you are absolutely right. This is uh, a country that is close to my heart, uh, dear friends in Ukraine right now. And so, um, I went to Ukraine first in 2011 and was introduced to Ukraine through um, our pastor at my local church who was on a radio tour and connected with a local pastor in Kiev and uh, had the opportunity to go to Chernobyl uh, Mm. to see some ministry taking place in Chernobyl. And Chernobyl is about a couple hours north of uh, Kiev, which is the capital of Ukraine, almost on the Belarus border. Mm-hmm. And uh, as you know, with the Chernobyl crisis that happened in the uh, radiation explosion, mm-hmm. uh, Chernobyl was a country or uh, sorry, a city that, you know, most people are fearful to go to and yeah. not a whole lot of knowledge about. And so when our pastor came back and, and said, hey, we have an invitation to partner with this local church in Kiev to do ministry in Chernobyl, Uh, let's pray about it. And immediately God just put that on my heart and said, Michelle, you're going to go. And I was so excited because God put uh, just Eastern Europe on my heart many, many years ago. And I had always wanted to go back. And so uh, 2011, I did, I led a a short-term team from our church to partner with a local church in Kiev. And we spent about 12 days in the Chernobyl area um, doing vacation Bible school for about a hundred children who are uh, living on the outskirts of their Chernobyl exclusion zone. And so every day we would uh, play sports, we would have Bible lessons, we would visit with families and um, you know, Chernobyl is is sealed off, closed off. And Mm -hmm. so there are um, lots of villages on this exclusion zone. And so the goal was really just to build relationships, to demonstrate the love of Jesus. This is a very agrarian culture, very simple Mm. life, simple homes. You grow most of your food. Many of the families uh, receive a government pension. Uh, Jobs are very scarce. Uh, Education is very limited. So it's quite opposite from uh, Kiev. You're talking about very rural parts of of Ukraine. And so uh, it was just wonderful to build relationships with people. Their hearts are so open, so friendly, so hospitable. And we just partnered together with this church in Kiev and together, really, we were on mission for Jesus. And that's mm. what it looked like. And that started about a five-year relationship of going back and forth to Chernobyl. Um, we would bring groceries and food with us, Christmas gifts at Christmas time. Uh, when we dedicated the church in that Chernobyl area, got to be there to dedicate the church and to celebrate with the villages, the fact that there was their own Mm. local church in that community. Mm. And so, uh, yeah, absolutely delightful. Mm. Well, just listening to you, I was thinking, uh, I watched a documentary not so long ago, actually, I think it was National Geographic or one of those where they went into, you know, the site uh, of Chernobyl and and all the animals Mm. that are returning and 
it was mm-hmm. very strange to watch it, you know, because we have this idea of what it's like and it, it is actually very different. Like you said, very much, you know, very rural and just there was a sense of peace around there in some strange way, you know, but again, painting this picture for us of, of this excitement as well. I love that, that the people actually had their own church, you know, that is yep. a big deal. And right in Chernobyl. And I think that's such a special thing to have been part of, wasn't it? I mean, that must have really been incredible. Oh, well, you know, the importance of a church in any local community, right? It's it's the mm. place that brings the community together. Uh, for these villages were so isolated. That church is the church that cared for them, that cared for their mm. children, that offered hope in the midst of bleakness. Uh, The church had a food pantry where they would stock up on food items. I mean, that church really was the gathering place for the community to come together. It was a safe space. Mm -hmm. It was a place filled with hope. Uh, The church was near a a military housing area. And so it gave hope for families who were, who had to move and who uh, had loved ones in the military. So Mm -hmm. it really just became an anchor uh, full of hope and love in the community. And the fact that the church would provide, you know, vacation Bible school, you know, for Mm -hmm. moms or grandmothers who are working, what a a welcome blessing, right. To have a break and to have their kids uh, engaged in fun and games and uh, learning about the Bible uh, it, like I said, it was a, a welcome anchor in the community and a beacon of hope shining in a very uh, dark place. Mm. Well, it sounds absolutely incredible. And uh, you also, like I said earlier on, went to Russia. Now, again, you know, this is a country that I went to, to you know, just before COVID. So I actually fell in love with Russia and mm-hmm. and very don't we have a very particular opinion of Russians <laughs> like yes, you know do. We, we do and uh and it depends where you're from it depends how you're going to think of them and I kind of realized that it was very different you know from what I thought and the people were different from that picture that we have now tell us about that your trips to Russia you know as well as the church in Russia because I think people don't really think much about the church in Russia what's happening there and and you know there are a lot of Christians in Russia you know what was that like what was your experience there about Sure. So when I went to Russia, it was really in the late, uh, mid to late nineties. And at that time, you know, that was still pretty fresh after the fall of communism. And so the church was really just getting their first foretaste of freedom, uh, being able to be bold in their witness on the streets, doing evangelism. And so the church was coming alive and, Mm -hmm. um, missionaries were coming into Russia to share the gospel they had freedom to do so. So it was really um, an exciting time where we saw God open many doors. Even for Send International, we mm-hmm. sent a wave of missionaries uh, into Russia after the fall of communism. And so the, the soil was definitely ripe. The harvest was mm-hmm. ripe for laborers to come in, to plant churches, to partner with the churches that were already there, to help them do evangelism. Uh, to be able to do ministry in their community. So it was really an exciting time because people were hearing about the gospel for the very first time. I had a Russian family that I uh, spent weekends with and uh, they were hearing the gospel for the first time. This was a family who really only believed in fate, you know, whatever happens, whatever happens. So to hear about uh, Jesus who loves them, to hear about hope, to hear about salvation, 
to hear about redemption and restoration. These were all things that were very new to them. And um, it was good to be able to build relationships and to offer another perspective and to say, well, this is what truth really is. And how do you perceive truth? And so that was an exciting time. And and even now, looking back, the church has grown in, in Russia tremendously. Mm-hmm. And we see God raising up now missionaries uh, in Russia, as well as in Ukraine, because mm-hmm. of the work that's been done in the 90s after the fall of communism, with churches being planted and uh, reproducing in those areas. Mm. I love that. You know, when we hear that, it's in- inspiring and encouraging, right? Because sometimes people go onto the mission field long ago and plant the seeds and then they don't grow at that particular time. But now it's like generation, you could say a generation later or decades later, you see those seeds being planted and, you know, they were planted and now they're actually growing. And I think that that's so powerful. It's so beautiful. But now what are we seeing now? You know, now we're looking at this and the whole world is sitting up and saying, you know, we have this conflict now suddenly where we know that Russia is going to invade Ukraine and they're calling it an invasion now where they didn't call it that before. And now that's happening. And there's just so much that we're hearing, you know, it's just the media amplifies things and we're hearing things, you know, on the ground for what is happening when it comes to mission work, particularly in Ukraine. You know, we hear are missionaries staying? Are people staying? Are people leaving? Um, you know, is the church being involved? How How is this all unfolding? From a, more of like a Christian perspective, we would love to know what is happening with that, you know, with the church, with missions. You know, what do we see on the ground? You said earlier on, you know, friends as well in Ukraine are, are there and obviously you are hearing things as well coming out. So what can we be thinking about now? How does this actually look on the ground for, you know, mission teams and missionaries that go over and that have maybe been serving for a long time and now Mm -hmm. having to make some very important decisions. And those are are, are life decisions, really, when you hear about wards. It can be quite scary. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, in general, first, I think it's important to understand that most of the missionary work in Ukraine is being done in partnership with the local church. So you don't see a whole lot of pioneering uh, missionaries there because the church has matured and grown. And so today, even in spite of the crisis, what you will see in Ukraine is the church on mission. Hmm. Um, you know, the evangelical church in Ukraine has grown since the fall of communism. And today Ukraine is one of the largest hubs of evangelical Christianity in Europe. Um, as a result, the church is still on mission, even during these difficult times and raising up their own missionaries Mm -hmm. being sent out to unreached places around the world. So that's exciting at the Mm -hmm. same time for those missionaries who are in Ukraine, it's really a, it depends on the missionary. It depends on their family situation. It depends on the type of ministry that they're engaged in. And it depends on whether or not they are connected with a sending agency like Ascend International mm. um, as to whether or not they will, they will stay or whether or not they will be evacuated. So there's a lot of different factors, but the most important is just how does this impact ministry on the ground? Mm. And as I said, ministry is still taking place. Uh, seminaries are still training up uh, pastors and church planters. Uh, Orphans are still being cared for in orphanages. Widows are still being cared for. Um, And the church today is 
I would say they're very intentional in uh, their communication right now Mm -hmm. in developing action plans for the crisis. How are they going to meet the needs of church families? How do churches in one region respond to a church in another region? Mm -hmm. Uh, How are they preparing for food items, for emergency communication? Um, So the church has not stopped. The mission Mm -hmm. has not stopped. Uh, Pastors are shepherding their flock. They are bringing hope. They're bringing encouragement. Uh, They're trying to lift people's eyes and gaze to Jesus. Mm. And they're praying for peace. Uh, I think that's what's most important right now is to know that our brothers and sisters on the ground are, um, yes, they are under duress. And I think they're uh, anxious and fearful uh, for sure. But they're also being challenged to to really trust in the Lord, uh, to trust in his sovereignty and to come together, to encourage one another, to build one another up and to love one another and to love their neighbors. Mm -hmm. So they're focused on spreading the gospel and they're focused on praying for peace during this time. And, and for foreign missionaries who are in Ukraine, uh, they're listening to their brothers and sisters on the ground. Mm -hmm. How can we best support you? How can we best come alongside you? And they are evaluating what are the different circumstances that would cause missionaries to leave or cause missionaries to stay. And that is based on any number of of factors, such as the ability to um, travel if a crisis happens, emergency Mm -hmm. communication. How does their uh, presence impact ministry? Is their presence there going to threaten lives of others or or not? So there are many uh, grids of decision making that have mm. to be made when order in order for evacuation to be called for. Mm. Thank you so much for sharing that with us. For just really clarifying, there are so many things to consider, isn't there? You know, when you're going to leave or when you're going to stay. And we also have this COVID crisis, which we still find ourselves in. Mm. Some countries not accepting even That's people right. that are from that country back. You know, there's all this this red tape that we now see, and again, but you know. I feel that what you're sharing with us is also very hopeful in that the church is still on the mission. And I think Mm -hmm. that that is so important. I think it's a universal message, isn't it? That when anything happens or there's any kind of crisis, there's different kinds of crises, different, it looks different in different communities or societies or nations, but the church still has to be on a mission, right? That is, that is the goal. It's the aim. It's the calling. Absolutely. You know, as as brothers and sisters in Christ, that's what we're called to do, to be on mission, regardless of the circumstances around us. Jesus never promised peace, Mm. right? He said peace was in him, not in the things of this world. And so as we see nations uh, colliding and uh, at war, um, that peace has to come from our relationship in, in Christ. And as the global church, this is the time to come alongside our brothers and sisters, mm. even from a distance, to join them in prayer. Uh, most recently, I'd seen online a picture of uh, Christians in Ukraine at church, uh, just kneeling groups of people uh, mm. out in the snow, praying and pleading for peace. Uh, they had a time of fasting and prayer. And I think that's just such an incredible witness and challenge for those of us uh, who might be in. Uh, countries and places around the world where not where we aren't express uh, experiencing that that tension that stress and that crisis. How can we come alongside our brothers and sisters mm. and join them in prayer and uh, pleading for for peace and and praying for the leaders and uh, praying for the church? You know, mm. uh, Ukraine and and Russia are still 
very tied, uh, you know, families across borders and yeah. friendships and relationships. They are people that are tied very culturally. And so we want to see unity between our brothers and sisters, uh, both in, in Russia and in Ukraine. And we want to see unity in the, in the body of Christ. And we certainly want to see peace. Hmm. I think that you touched on something that's so important there as well. When we talk about what's happening in Ukraine, we also see on the other side that there are many, many Russian Christians that Mm -hmm. are also so unsettled because of what they themselves are seeing. You know, we, we, we have this picture that's, and this, of this reality of, okay, Russia is invading or is planning to invade Ukraine. And it's kind of like two enemies, two opposite sides, you know, that's how it's painted. But then we have Russian Christians as well, who, who are also praying for peace. And like you said, are praying for that unity and are, it, it is, it is almost like, you know, when you see something like this, you're so reminded of what we learned about in history. You know, when there was the Berlin Wall was suddenly erected, you know, and people on one side were away from people on the other side. And yet there was, whether it was physical family, in this case, spiritual family, you're divided because there's this invisible thing between you. But yet we're not because we know that we are, we have that unity in Christ, but we still need to be praying as well for Russian Christians as well and the church in Russia, because it must be quite unsettling for them to, to witness this as well. Sure. And, and we don't know, uh, what media messages are, are being shared and exchanged. Mm. And so I think in times like this, to even be praying for truth, you know, the truth mm. of scripture, that's, that's where we go to receive truth and, and revelation and be reminded of who we are in Christ, regardless of uh, what side of the border that, that we live on. And so uh, praying even just for the Holy spirit to bring truth to people's minds and to see through whatever kind of propaganda news is out there. Uh, what is the truth of the situation? How do we think critically about it? And how do we, how do we love one another through this? And mm. um, yeah, critical thinking. We need a lot of that when we, when we see, you know, a lot of what's happening in the media. And again, that propaganda that comes out, we need some critical thinking. We need to be thinking what is happening and not get caught up in sometimes the hype or the frenzy. You know, it's so important. We're going to take a really, really quick break. We don't want you to go anywhere. Michelle's still going to be with me. We're talking about mission work. And we are talking about the church in Ukraine as well as in Russia, because it's so important to realize that though we hear a lot of what's happening you know and the media are telling us what's happening we have reports we have people on the ground that are saying different things there is still church on a mission in both of these countries and we need to know today how we can be praying for them how we can be also even if we're far away you know what we can be thinking about the situation so we're going to touch more on that when we come back don't go anywhere enjoy some music see you after this you're with me, Lauren Jacobs, here on Voice of Change today. And you know what? If you're just joining, welcome to the show. If you've been here from the beginning, I'm really, really glad that you are with me and Michelle today because we're having a very, very important discussion. There's so much that we see happening in the world right now. And no matter what you're feeling today, we know that there's always hope and there's always hope in Christ. And there's always, always hope in prayer. And Michelle, you know, what would be the challenge right now to the international, I would like to say international, or universal church, you know, Christians around the world, we see what is happening. What, what is our challenge? Is it about really getting serious about praying? Something that you've been alluding to throughout our conversation today as well as 
praying for our brothers and sisters support you know is that the challenge to us how can we be praying what should be you know where should our hearts be positioned in this time when we see things like this wars rumors of wars we've been promised that in Matthew 24 we see that unfolding how should our hearts be in this moment you know do you have kind of a message or challenge for us today yeah I would say uh yes a, a posture of prayer is um preeminent of course and not only just a posture of prayer but I'd say a posture of intercession you know our brothers and sisters in Ukraine and Russia the crisis that they're facing really requires us to intercede on their behalf. Um, this is this is something that impacts their daily lives. They're under stress. Uh, they're scared. Uh, it's impacting their economy. And so right now they need to know that their brothers and sisters across the world are joining them in, in prayer and interceding for God to work a miracle um, with uh, the leaders and uh, with the invasion and all the impacts of that. So a posture of prayer, but certainly of intercession and encourage all of your listeners, uh, to take just, whether it's a moment, a day, an hour to just fast and, and pray for our brothers and sisters in Ukraine and in Russia. Mm-hmm. I would also say that, um, to pray for, uh, a bold witness for Christ during this time. Christians in Ukraine and Russia are passionate about Jesus and they want to be able to share the hope of the gospel and they want to be able to share where real peace comes from. Peace doesn't, real true peace doesn't come from national leaders. It comes from peace in Christ. And so I know that our believing brothers and sisters in Ukraine and in Russia really want to be bold in sharing the gospel and want to share the hope that they have. And so Pray that they can be salt and light during this hard time, that they would have the opportunity to share the peace that only comes from Jesus Christ. And so that would be the the second prayer request. And then I would say third to, to pray for strength and endurance. This has really been happening since 2014. Mm -hmm. And so um, those who are living on the Eastern border of, of Ukraine have been suffering for a long time. And so I know that they are weary, uh, but they are also trying to endure and to stay strong. And so if we can come alongside and pray um, for endurance, for strength, for perseverance in these hard times, that that would be a tremendous encouragement and, and pray for their planning and for their efforts for the church to be united on, on both sides of the border Um, and really that the church can care for families, whatever that looks like in the days, weeks, and months ahead, that they would be able to really demonstrate the love of Jesus during this time. It's a difficult and stressful situation and one that is requiring just complete dependence on the Lord. Mm -hmm. Wow. Thank you so much. And that, and, and that's important that what you shared with us as well is that, you know, there are communities that have been already struggling for some time, you know, 2014, that's like eight years ago, you know, and, and the weariness that they feel. This is important for us to know. And I really do encourage the listeners today to to pray, you know, to take some time, even if it's 
like we've been saying, a moment to pray. And I think that we will do that at the end of the show as well together because I think it's so very, very important for us to do that. And Michelle, I wanted to ask you something, you know, that someone was talking to me about a week ago and it's got nothing to do with Russia or Ukraine, but it has got to do with missions, you know, mm-hmm. and uh, the person was was chatting to me about, you know, the COVID and the fact that borders were closed and a lot of people couldn't go and do the mission work that they wanted to mm-hmm. do. You know, has things been changing now that we've reached 2022? What are you seeing with Send International? Is there kind of, you know, this open open spaces happening again? Are, are people wanting to go? Is uh, God doing something with missions? What is happening? <laughs> yeah, those are great questions. And I affirm all of them. They're excellent questions. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, this has been a hard time of waiting as borders have been closed, but even in recent weeks, we see many countries opening up. And so, um, yes, we have many missionaries right now that are actually securing their visas, plane tickets, Mm -hmm. and uh, getting ready to deploy after waiting a year, if not longer, to get to the country where God has called them. Um, Also, what we're seeing is uh, here at SEND, we have actually, um, we have actually appointed the highest number of missionaries this past year than we have over the past 10 years. Wow. So uh, even though COVID has closed borders, God is still calling Mm. people to go. He is still moving in hearts and minds. And so I just wanted to encourage your listeners to be open to what God is is speaking into your life and into your circumstances. Mm. What we see are uh, many people just pausing and saying, God, what would you have me do now? Uh, COVID has disrupted our lives and perhaps you're calling me to do something that's more intentional, more of a gospel witness. And so, yes, we're excited to see what God is doing. Um, And we're excited that uh, countries are opening their borders and we're excited to be sending people. Wow, you know, I just uh, I I just had so much so many goosebumps while you're talking. I'm so excited about because mission short-term missions is something that my husband and I do a lot of and so it's very close to my heart. Um but when I when I hear that you know the amount of missionaries just intention being intentional but also that God is calling and how many you know are wanting to go like you said it's it's absolutely incredible it makes me pause and just want to say thank you god for what you're doing because it's it's incredible because people you know when when borders got closed and we know i think if if anyone had come and said to us two years ago you're just going to be stuck waiting and the borders will close and you guys have to stay where you are and you can't do your thing we would not have believed it you know two years seems like a very long time But, you know, God is never caught off guard. He's still reigning. He's still king. And he's still going to share his word, you know, with people. And we know that as he, as Jesus said, this gospel must be spread until the ends of the earth. And only then we're going to see the end. You know, so we still got a lot of work to do, you know. We that's, do. That's and exciting. still, it, you know, staggering nearly 3 billion people still mm. without access to the gospel. So no local church, no missionary, yeah. and perhaps not even a Bible in their heart language. Hmm. Where are some of those places? Maybe the listeners don't know. You know, we always talk about the 1040 window and people probably mm. hear about that, but then they go, okay, what are the actual countries where we actually should be praying to ask God? Maybe he wants to send me there. Yeah, absolutely. Southeast Asia is, is really sort of the geographic area. Uh, we can look at countries mm. like India, 
Uh, we can also look at countries like Japan, 27 million uh, people in Japan unreached, wow. one of the largest unreached populations in the world. Um, you can look at uh, Laos and Vietnam, and Cambodia. There are still, mm -hmm. even though there is a, uh, a evangelical church in every country, that's not to say that there's the resources to actually engage certain people groups in those countries. Yeah. And so there are nearly about 7,000 unreached people groups still spread throughout the world and primarily in places like Southeast Asia. Mm. You know, I, uh, I think of when I think of Southeast Asia, I also think of, of Thailand, although it's a little mm -hmm. bit out there and it's that, you know, it's a place that I said at the beginning of, of our conversation that Ukraine is not a place South Africans go to, but I can honestly tell you, South Africans go to Thailand by the thousands every year. And I know a lot of Christians that go, but go on holiday. They're not going, you know, for the mission. And I think that it's such a, an important challenge to look at it and say, you know, what can we be doing better? And, and, and reflecting a lot of uh, people go to India, you know, a lot of people travel to India and it is, it is incredible to consider how many people groups we're talking 7,000. That's what you're sharing with us. People yes. groups that have not been reached. And when we talk about 3 billion people, we consider that's, you know, close to almost half of the world's population. <laughs> We've got a yes. big job and it's, it's a, it's a good one. It's a holy one. It's one we need to be praying about how God wants us to be involved. Does send international send missionaries from South Africa? That was a question I had. Um, you know what? Not that I'm aware of, but, uh, we send from all over the world. So mm -hmm. my area of, uh, oversight is the U S. Mm -hmm. So if, uh, missionaries are being sent from South Af Africa, touches a different area of our organization. Mm. Um, so I wouldn't have line of sight to that, but we do send from all over the world. Mm. So if there are any of your listeners who are interested in exploring Send International, you can just go to the World Wide Web and look up send.org and you'll be directed to all sorts of opportunities uh, to go to Thailand, mm. uh, Japan, or uh, other places in Southeast Asia where there is still um, just a great need for the gospel to advance. Mm. And, you know, we got a little taste of Japan when we were all watching the Olympics and seeing how beautiful it is there. So mm -hmm. now now we have a visual. So now we can truly go. You know, Michelle, I want to say thank you so much for being with me today. This has really been an inspiring conversation for me. And also, I want to say thank you so much for, you know, everything that you shared, not only that, but the heart that you have. Thank you so much for the work that you are doing and Send International I am really, really blessed to know people are still going. People are wanting to go even more to do the mission work that God is calling them. And this has been such a great time. And thank you for giving us hope, but also challenging us to pray, you know, pray for Ukraine, pray for Russia, pray for what's happening and, and to be serious about it. So thank you so mm -hmm. much for that. Oh, thank you, Lauren. It's uh, so good to talk with you today and your listeners and, what a blessing to be on mission together for his kingdom, right? Mm, absolutely. Absolutely. Take care and God bless. And thanks again. God bless you too.
Take care. As we end off the show today, I really want us to consider how we can be praying at this time. Not only how we can be praying, but let's pray together. Because I'm a big believer in the fact that we often say, yes, we're going to pray about something, but we need to pray about it. If we commit to someone that we're going to pray, then we must pray. If we commit to praying about a situation or praying for people, then we must pray. Too, too often it's too easy to say, yes, I'm going to pray about something. And then, you know, you go about things. Life does get busy. So why not stop in this moment and pray? Join with me right now as we pray for this crisis together. Add your own prayers in right now. You know, say your own heart song to God as we pray together. Because I really, really want us to pray about this crisis. My heart is thinking of the Ukrainian Christians as well as the Russian Christians and it's thinking about the many many people who have been affected for a long time and those who will be affected in the future you know if this crisis unfolds as it might we will see a very different reality so let's pray together father we just thank you so much today that we can come together with that we can pray that we can seek you father we know that with people things are impossible but with God nothing is impossible today we lift the situation up to you. our hearts are there father we pray for people we pray for unity we pray father that the people in the Ukraine will be protected we know that this is a very stressful time and there's anxiety and there's a lot of emotion father be with our brothers and sisters in Ukraine father be with those who are weary those who have been in in hard times father for so long be with them strengthen their hearts strengthen their knees strengthen their themselves father in this time and we pray for unity we pray for the the, the Russian Christians father who are praying who themselves are so unsettled who don't like what is happening father we pray that you will lead them and guide them into what they can be doing in this time and how they can be serving father how they can keep on advancing the good works that you have begun inside of them with other people father we pray for unity across borders father we pray that us as an international body of believers at Outside of Ukraine, outside of Russia, that we ourselves, Father, would just speak to a place of unity, speak to a place of hope. And Father, that we will not bring further division or that we will not share propaganda, but Father, that there will be a spirit of truth in us and in others. May that be, Father, bring your spirit of truth so that we will know the truth in this situation. Father, bless and keep and make your face to shine upon your people, Father, who are suffering in this situation. And all we pray tonight, Father, today is let your will be done. Let the prophecies of your word unfold and help us be the people that you have positioned us to be in this time, in this generation, in this moment right now. We thank you and we pray this in the mighty name of our Savior, Jesus. Amen. Well, you know, it is it is so powerful to consider as well that God is is he's you know, he's never caught off guard. And may we in every situation just know that he is on the throne, know that he is in control, and may our hearts ourselves have peace. I know that when we hear stories and when we hear things like war or we see big headlines, and I know on groups and on social media there's all these articles being shared, but I want you to take courage today as well that God is still God he's still going to have his will he's still going to have his way and that's always exciting so may you be found in the peace of God in the presence of God today and may he just lead and guide everything that you do let's not forget even though we've prayed together in this moment let's not forget 
to continue to pray for those who are in Ukraine and those who are in Russia who are going to be and who are being affected by the situation. Next week on the show, I'm excited to welcome writer and author Elsie B. Brits onto the show with me. We're going to be talking Women's Month, which is the month of March, but we're going to be talking about women's significant contribution to history. And Elsie B. is going to be touching on someone that we all know and kind of really see as an incredible woman in history and that is our very own Emily Hobhouse. We're going to touch on her life very deeply. I can't wait to be with you next week. So join me then next week Thursday. Take care and God bless. This insert was brought to you by Radio K Pulpit 7 to 9 a.m. Please visit kpulpit.co.za